Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And up next, we discuss the rules to realizing your dreams. There's nine of them. After that, from the World of Running Sunset Tour and World Championships preview, you don't want to miss it. Don't forget, if you want to be featured in our end-of-month Q&A episode, go to a tozrunningcom slash question so you can submit a question, and then your question will be featured with our answer. That's a lot of questions. No, it would only be one. Well, or a few, because the episode features a few. Awesome. Well, speaking of which, we had our last, um, let's see, that would be June episode, and we talked about wet shoes. Someone had a question about wet shoes, and we gave you a lot of ideas on how to dry them. And I love the feedback that I got from some of you with more tips as to how to dry your shoes. Wait, wait, wait. So are you saying you weren't satisfied with our answer? <laughs> our I answers love that people tell us their ideas. are guaranteed to be thorough and complete. <laughs> So Kelly, I'm going to just ignore that. Kelly suggests placing them in front of the fan at the bottom of your fridge. So we suggested putting Fr them on a high fan? power fan, but she uses her fridge fan. Wait, hang so on. So she doesn't even have to start another fan in her house. I don't know what you're talking about. Your fridge has a fan? Probably the on the bottom? bottom of it? I'm guessing. I mean, that's what she said. Ours does not. Well, so for I, those that I, do, I'm not aware of this feature. That's an opportunity for you to dry your shoes there. Does it dry them or freeze them? Isn't the fridge cold? I bet it'd feel nice on a hot day to put your feet in some cold Your frozen shoes. shoes? Well, Dr. Todd suggests saving your dryer sheets and stuffing them in your shoes. And I thought this was a great idea because mm. it helps them smell better too. So, Todd, how do your shoes smell before you do the dryer sheets? Mm. Because I wonder where the need for this idea came from. <laughs> well, he collects them, so it's actually great because it's Wait, not wasteful. Collects the dryer sheets Dr or the, the smelly sheets. shoes? I, okay. We all collect smelly shoes. That's kind of the thing that no, we're. I, that's that's do, about the time when I throw them out. Actually, is when they smell. Well, we digress. We do have a promotional code for you. Again, we're talking about Flip Belt. That is a belt we've featured on Instagram. If you've seen it there, it's a great opportunity to take things on the run with you. So you need your hydration, your fuel, your phone. You can put them in this belt and it stays secure. It doesn't bounce, which is what I was looking for in a belt after having some not so fun experiences with bouncing belts on long runs. <laughs> I don't know if it, please elaborate. Has. I'm, I'm well, very curious. I'm sure many of you have experienced that too. I can't be the only one when the belt the bounces belt. with your phone on it, and then you end up getting chafing and all kinds of unpleasantries. So, the well, flip speaking belt of a flip belt narrative anecdote for you, I have one. Okay. I was running the other day, and it was hot because that's what happens in the summer in Michigan, and. I was sweating because that's what I do when it's hot in the summer in Michigan. And I was wearing those earbud things that are supposed to stay in your ears. But when you're sweating and it's hot, they don't as well. But I had my flip belt. And so as they were falling out of my ears, I just quickly stowed them away for the rest of the run. And I never had to worry about them. They weren't going to fall out and they weren't going to cause me any, what was it? Uh, bouncing belt chafing. Is that what you were describing? Yes. yes. Okay. None of the above. That's so great. it was great. Yeah. You should have been wearing my bone conduction earphones that's not what this feature is about andy that's true so the code a to z running 20 that's a t o z running 20 so make sure you head on over to flip bell and you can get a discount speaking of speaking of places you can head on over to if you're looking for a race in west michigan 
in the very near future, depending on when you're listening to this, it might be too late, but in the very near future, they have the Lake Michigan Road Trail Sand Race in Holland, Michigan, and it's like the epitome of summer in a single race. You get to literally run on the beach, on a dune, in the sand, which may not sound quite as appealing when we're talking about races, but it's a load of fun. Mm. What day is that? Yes. It's on the weekend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, dates are hard. Okay. I have. I didn't oh, write it down. Sure? Yeah. It's July 16th. Okay, that. thank you. Right off the top of my head. Good math. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, now on to our main topic. As promised, we are going to give you the nine rules that will help you realize your dreams. That's such a big claim, Zach. Can well, you really say that? Yes, because it's true. <laughs> You I would not so say it if it confidence. Were well, there's going to be a lot of great ideals for you to be looking at when it comes to focusing on your goals and how you can orient your life, things to do, things not to do. Oh, yeah. There is, in All fact, a little of bit of that, too. But take it with a grain of salt because we know that everyone's situation is different and life can change. And sometimes mm -hmm. running your running goal, this realizing your dream, your dream might change. So realizing that as we're beginning this conversation. Realizing that to realize key. this. Andy, since you put me on the spot, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Which is a more helpful rule to accomplishing something? A rule of a thing you should do or a rule for a thing you should not do? I really like the shoulds because I feel like that takes place of the things that you shouldn't, if that makes sense. So uh, I feel like when we take things away and we say, quit this thing, don't do this thing, then something fills that that hole, that gap. And I think for me, it's more helpful to think of the things that I should fill my life with, I guess a more positive orientation. Interesting. So you want the boundaries set in terms of where you should be, not the boundaries set in terms of where you should not go. That's... Okay, well, that's let's go ahead. <laughs> we, in fact, have both in our list of nine. Yeah. And while I did promise these are the nine, these are really not the most exhaustive nine things that he you could think it. about, in fact. Um, but what it is, is is an intent for runners to help us focus on the things that tend to make the biggest difference in trying to be successful in our sport. And so if we think about it that way, we found that there's a quite harmonious combination of not only are there nine, but there's three chunks within that nine. And it, and it only happened that way because I thought... It would be great if there were three chunks within this nine, and I came up with three for each. So nice three chunks. <laughs> here's how it works. There are three things to be. So as okay. Andy said, she likes the things, the yeah. rules that tell her what to be. Yeah. Okay, we've got three of those. There are three things to get, right. to acquire. So uh, to be is kind of like a state of being rule, but the get acquire is like you need more of this thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there are three things to quit. And those are the ones that I like the most because they tell me not where to not to go, where to not go. All right. Let's start with three things to be. First up is be patient. You're not surprised to hear this one. There's not a reason that's the at first all. one. <laughs> so, so many of our podcast guests, many that you have heard on this podcast, suggest being patient. And that's how they have come to tremendous success in the sport of running. And why, might you ask, would a runner want to learn to be patient? Well, simply because you're talking about long distance running for the most part, because that is, in fact, our intent in the conversation right now. So it's it's an important lesson in general because you're doing the thing 
over long periods of time. Also, and this is the piece that we'll always go back to over and over again when we start talking about what makes things work for runners, which is that the goal that you aspire toward is very rarely like something tomorrow or next week or next month, or most of the time it's like long-term stuff. And in fact, the kinds of things that we're doing as athletes to try to help ourselves achieve these goals are things that take time mm. and they are slow moving. Mm -hmm. You're rarely going to see substantial progress in just about anything as a runner overnight. Mm -hmm. One of the dangers of not being patient is burning out really quick because you try to level up too quickly, like your fitness doesn't support where you want to be in your training. So you're running too fast. You're running too hard. Mm. You're going all out all the time. And that's not going to find you long-term success. So there's a lot of ways that patience can play itself out. But I would say one of the big things is being able to do our next thing. Oh, in your patience, be consistent. Consistency is key. That's your second to be. And the point here being that it really has to go hand in hand with the patient side of it. So um, being patient and doing nothing really isn't going to help you much. But being patient while being consistent is where we tend to mm. make the gains. I like that because I think a lot of us, when we think of patience, we think of waiting. Well, And not yes. like actively waiting. Because there's always things that we can be doing. For instance, right now I'm injured and there's a lot of PT mm. that I'm doing. So my patience is active. I'm not just sitting around waiting for my body to heal. I'm finding the things I can do right now to set myself up for later. So yeah, anyway, they just thought sure. of active patients. Is that a thing? Indeed. <laughs> or to some sense, that makes sense. Well, the point here being with consistency is that you're doing the things that help and mm -hmm. you're doing them routinely, habitually. And that's kind of the piece that as runners, until we can find the most effective things and then do them with consistency, it is very difficult to see progress to the degree that we would hope. Yeah, and we wanna remember that consistency, it's scientific for our bodies as we're growing in development, especially that aerobic development that we talked about with Dr. Todd on the science of building fitness. I, I link to that one almost every other week, I feel like, because so many people have told us that it really opened their eyes as to what we are doing when we're training. So consistency over time is going to breed the best success in your running, especially if you can do that healthily. So that's where the patience kind of plays back into it, because if you're able to do healthy cycle upon healthy cycle, you're going to become a better runner hmm. and you're going to have more fun because who doesn't want to be healthy? Yeah, and you have to remember too, as Todd shared in a separate interview, separate conversation, um, we also tend to lose things a lot more quickly than we gain them in our sport. And so as a consequence, I can lose six months worth of good work by a couple weeks of, well, not That's really not a true. couple He's weeks. That's not true. He's exaggerating. But, yes, I am exaggerating. <laughs> but we still lose things more quickly than we gain them. That's true. And so as a consequence, the inconsistency pays worse, pays greater, pays well, that's a bad analogy, but the inconsistency is worse for us than the consistency is good for us, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So then we have to be consistent for a more substantial period of time. That it kind of goes back to the, you, you've read all of the stuff about like habits and, you know, you have to do something for so long before it becomes a habit. And at the same time, it's like easy to lose good habits. The same thing functions here in terms of building fitness, as mm -hmm. it were. I'm going to tie it back to the consistency thing again. I, I can't help myself with this because when we do burn ourselves by going too hard 
in the short term to try to make up gains that we missed because maybe we missed time in the sport or maybe our goals are really big, then it doesn't allow for us to have that consistency. So, and, and then we feel badly about it. Then we're feeling we're feeling bad. So then sometimes we try to catch up again and we play this insanity, right? That's doing the same thing, but expecting different results. So we're running really hard and then we're kind of injured, kind of hurt, kind of burnt out. So we take that time off and then we try to do it again and again. And really what we need is to be more patient and to come into a smarter way of training where we're slowing down and we're listening to what our bodies need as intuitive runners. Hmm. Where still it doesn't even work that way. When you think about like the concepts of building fitness, you can't make up for lost time physiologically. It, it just doesn't function in that sense. So think about it this way. If you're training at the maximum potential to yield the best possible adaptations and you lose out on something, going back to that maximum possible training, in other words, doing the same thing you were doing before, like getting back into the routine is the best thing you can do to continue making the gains. If you try to overdo it, you're not gaining anything more by that. As a matter of fact, you're probably inhibiting some of the adaptations you would otherwise be gaining. So once again, the consistency plays back into the conversation. In so many ways, if I have to make sacrifices as a runner to try to achieve my dreams, the thing I'm sacrificing for, in a sense, is to have the consistency. Mm -hmm. But also, and this is the third to be, which is balanced. Mm -hmm. We must be balanced because if this game is a long-term game, as it certainly is, if our dreams are big and down the road and important to us, if we throw off the balance, and we're talking about like balance in the training side of it, we're talking about balance in life and relationships and such like that. If we throw off that balance, we can probably get away with that for short periods of time. And we've talked with runners about this. As a matter of fact, there are times where we talk to our family and say, for the next couple of weeks, I got to do some things that are going to make me less available to my family, but it's only a couple of weeks, right? And if your family agrees that that's an okay thing, if they disagree, you got to go back to the drawing board. But the point being the balance over time matters because when it's off, things rarely ever work out. They rarely ever stay consistent. Yep. Here we go. And the pressures that we tend to experience from other angles, like mental pressures from, you know, just being exhausted and emotional pressures from the weight of relationships and the things that aren't going well in life in general, all that kind of stuff tends to cause other problems in our training as well. Mm -hmm. So while it's not all about training, the other things also influence training. Mm -hmm. And I'll be so bold to say that running for most of us is probably not the most important thing in our lives. Bold. How dare you? <laughs> so we don't want to sacrifice the things in our life that matter more to us for our running and our training. But again, that being balanced and having great communication and being able to set up the priorities and realize them, I think that that's going to be what helps us con continue good training for longer. In fact, it does. And so now you know the three things you must be in order to achieve your dreams. However, that's not where it ends because... There are also three things we must get or acquire. And as it were, the first among the three of them feeds into some of the things we're discussing above. And it's probably um, amongst all of what we're saying in terms of ways that we can make simple decisions that can help us the most, this might be the quickest and most effective simple decision. And that is to get help. I think that just for every part of life can really ring true. If there's something that's important to us, 
getting help, opening ourselves up to getting advice from others, wisdom from others can really help us grow more quickly and in a healthy way because there's like gains that we're talking about that are are quick and they are short-lived. But wisdom from others really can help us grow leaps and bounds. We can learn from them instead of having to go through some of the struggle ourselves without knowing what the future result may be. So I think this is a great one, Zach, to get help. Yeah, because we can be that help. All you have to do is, no, I'm kidding. Well, I'm, I'm only partly kidding. We could be that help, but we're not here to talk about that right now. So Andy, what are the ways or categories? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I came up with a few categories. There's probably many more, but medical help. So if you are thinking about something that's been bothering you, maybe that's your hamstring, that's a chronic problem, go and see a PT or a doctor, get some scans done, get some medical help, coaching, we're not the mm. only coaches in the world. There's lots of coaches. Coaching we are the best though. So <laughs> see what I have to deal with. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great coaches out there. So finding a great fit, a good coach that can support you on your journey. Like us. <laughs> and then family support. I do think it's important. We talk about communication a lot here on the A to Z running podcast and thriving. And if we're thriving in community, you know, family, friends, people that are close to us, if we have that support from them, that means that we might have to be vulnerable about what we are wanting from our running and realizing our dreams, as Zach says. So if we never tell anyone our dreams, they, they can't support us. So we have to verbalize that and that can feel scary. So verbalizing that, getting that support we need. And then nutrition. Sometimes nutrition is a component that can help us do better in our training and we can reach out to a, an expert in that arena. These are good things to be thinking about. I was talking with a friend not terribly long ago who made the passing comment about how the concept of coaching is basically like omnipresent, like in all industries, in all fields, there seems to be someone out there who probably is a coach for that thing. And probably makes a lot of money doing it, as it were. Um, and, and the wrong and, one, though. But there's a reason <laughs> for the making money part. <laughs> hey now, hey now, don't belittle the sacrifices of our athletes to join with us. Yes. Now, in saying this, there's a very clear reason why, though, and it doesn't have to be the title coach to make a difference here, because you hear things like mentorships and, mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Finding people who are involved in the thing that we're interested in and have either some degree of experience, expertise, or additional objective opinion or perspective about it makes a massive difference. Mm -hmm. And I think that runners often, and I'm speaking because of my my own past experience with it, it's sometimes it feels vulnerable to allow someone to enter into one of your passion projects or things that you're excited about because you're still kind of figuring it out yourself in some ways you haven't quite admitted to yourself what you want from the thing sometimes. And so, like I said before, with the family and verbalizing things, it can feel a little scary sometimes. And we want to be independent, do it ourselves, because then we don't get hurt. <laughs> you know, we don't feel like we are disappointing anyone or letting anyone down. So at least this is, this is me. This is Andy speaking. I know Zach is a completely different personality, but. Well, and someone might tell you you're wrong. And they might be right about that. And so the, the principle of engaging my ideas with someone else is a vulnerable interaction, always is. And so we don't, we, we don't diminish that and say you should do it and it should be easy for you, but rather even in the potential of that vulnerability, it is that much more important. Mm -hmm. Now, that brings us to the second thing you must get. So if you've got some help, that's good because you're well on your way. However, do you know where you're trying to go? 
And that is why you need to get vision. Do which you know is no, don't do that. <laughs> now Andy's going to break I don't out even into know song. What that song is, but it came into my mind. Well, as it were, the vision side of things is another one of those that, like, you see vision statements for businesses and companies and things, and you'll you'll go to these sessions where they talk about this is our company's vision and all the ways we're trying to get there. Um, and there's a reason for that too. Um, as much as it often seems disconnected from things that are happening that's part of the reason why we're describing it here right now because if i have dreams and goals and i want to get to them i do need to have clarity of mind in terms of what it is that it looks like if i'm achieving that dream or goal and what kinds of things are along the path and what's taking me there and if i don't have clarity in those kinds of areas it's very difficult for me to actually do what i need to do to achieve my dreams because i don't really know where i'm going with those things i don't know how i'm getting there so that's what we mean when we say vision here. Maybe that's not exactly how vision is defined in other places. But um, when we want to try to get there ourselves, we need to have uh, have that clarity in mind as we're pursuing all these other things. When we're getting help, it needs to be help in terms of how it contributes to this vision we have of the thing we're trying to aspire toward. When we're trying to be consistent in the things we're being consistent in, they need to be the things that help us achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how this morning actually about how a building is made <laughs> and interesting you can't why are you like thinking about throw, how a building is I, made i was talking to some builders that's ah. why you can't just like throw a pile of bricks together and hope that it becomes the house of your dreams you have to have a blueprint <laughs> you have to plan these things because you can't just throw it all together and then hope that it works out even if you put so much tireless energy in even if you have a, like an amazing vision of what you want it to be, if you don't have a path to get there, it's futile. Mm. You're just then you just have a pile of bricks. Indeed, which I guess you could use as a home if you wanted to, but it might not be as effective. Now, in thinking about that too, there's a side of this that I find really fascinating, which is you'll hear um, a lot of the conversation around thinking positive thoughts. Um, and there's an interesting series of research and studies around this concept where it's like uh, they take people who you know want to achieve something. Um, I want to lose weight. I want to achieve this fitness goal. I want, there's a whole long list of things. Um, and they run the, the experiment. So if you go through some positive thinking pro protocols with people over time, you should, theoretically, based off the positive thinking people and the, what they say about it, that should help you achieve these things better. What they find is that only going through positive thinking protocols actually makes people less likely to achieve the thing they're trying to achieve until, until you add clarity around what it is that it takes to get to the oh. thing and some reflection around what's making it difficult for me and what can I do about that. So the process. And by the way, I didn't come up with any of that. This comes from Whoop My Life. If you've ever heard of the Whoop process, that's what is that, that is. Is that like the same as like a Whoop watch? I have no idea what a Whoop watch is, but it's it definitely you like not. It about your sleep and your The recovery. Whoop My Life thing has nothing to do with watches okay. or that or running at all. But anyway, the point being, so we, we see this in a lot of areas of life where we tend to feel futile until we have some of these pieces clear in our minds. Vision in the process. Indeed. So Part the third, that, it would be getting knowledge. Yes, the third thing we need to I get is thunder. <laughs> knowledge. You stole my thunder. Well, you are 
Anyway, uh, getting knowledge is key in trying to achieve our dreams because until we know not just then a clarity of what we want to try to achieve, but what it actually takes to do that, it's very difficult. Practically speaking, we're just not going to make a lot of progress unless we know something about what we're trying to do. And I think I know a little bit about many of you based on what I have seen in our trends of listening is that you guys like knowledge. You like to learn Mm -hmm. and you like to grow. So just kudos to all of you who listen to this podcast to learn more about running. In fact, you do. And this is the piece where we could say, you know, it's, it's very easy to acquire knowledge these days. You know, you can find lots of different ways to acquire it in lots of different methods and means and mediums. So the key piece here is, you know, find some sources that seem to have something interesting to say that is authoritative in some sense, you know, like the books that are published and the people who have written them and the coaches who have great success, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just kind of figure out what it is that these things do, how it works, and put the pieces together in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. How do they fit with what I'm doing? That's cool. kind of the, that's the first step in the process. And of course, you can always just listen to more of our podcasts and <laughs> head to adzrunning.com because you'll get lots of knowledge there too. Right. Now, three things to quit. So these are the rules for the boundaries of places you should not go. In The Lion King, it was the elephant graveyard. So now here is the elephant graveyard. Do not go there. Don't go there, Simba. The first is to quit shortcuts. I'm not really sure what you meant. I know because you didn't write any notes. I know I didn't write any notes. This is kind of, this is a tricky one because, um, because sometimes the shortcut is a deliberate thing to try to maintain balance. And so I, I, I want to avoid condemning your adjustments in your training because you need to keep balance in life. Um, I'm not going to condemn those adjustments. However, we tend to do things as runners because they feel better. Get where I'm going here now, Andy? We're trying to feel as good as we can, right? And so things like, well, if I do this workout in my super springy carbon shoes, I will feel much better. And it will look better on Strava because I'll be running faster. There we go. So, (laughs) So I start to try to make choices because I like the way it feels better or because I like the way it looks better. And suddenly we're starting to make bad training choices for reasons that don't support our dreams mm-hmm. or our vision. And why do I say it that way? Because if you do things like, you know, wear the, the super shoes in your training runs, yes, it's true. You can recover faster. We know that is a fact. Um, also, it just feels way better and you tend to run a little bit faster. However, the reason you're recovering faster is because you're not stressing your system as much. And the point of the training run is to stress your system. So you are taking a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And it can have a certain kind of benefit. So I would never say never wear oh, super well, you shoes. Oh, definitely in want to, to practice, but you've yes. heard us say that before. Um, so that's that's one example. And there's a lot of them um, that are like really small things, but we tend to do them a lot over time. And it has small negative contributions that when added up can be substantial. So yeah. we're really not talking about runners making these like terrible choices for these shortcuts. We're talking about these little things that we're trying to tweak for a convenience mm-hmm. or because it looks better on Strava or some of those things. This is a really sensitive topic, but I do want to broach it because I think that it's a significant, there's a lot of people who are in the running world that struggle with this. And that is losing quick weight mm-hmm. while training. And although sometimes you can see the rewards of that 
right away, it you're not nourishing your body, so you're not able to recover, and therefore you're end up, you're probably going to end up getting injured and fatigued and burnout. So skipping meals while you're in training to try to cut weight or try to get to some ideal race weight that you think you have for yourself, that is a shortcut that in the long term will come to, to bite you. And I know it's a really sensitive topic, but um, I do think it's important for us to keep in mind taking care of ourselves and taking care of our bodies and not doing things that we think will help us get ahead that hmm. will be to our detriment in the long term. That, so like, that's a good example in terms of, you know, go back to the get knowledge piece then, you know, why figure out how the body functions and how it does the thing that I'm trying to get it to do and learn a little bit more about how that interacts with most effectively with the kinds of things we can do to make a difference. And, and that can often then be much more fruitful as Andy said. Mm -hmm. Now, the second thing to quit is quit compromise. Be uncompromising. Um, actually, this I is, don't agree with. Him yeah. On that. So this is actually, in fact, this is probably um, another one that I have to like caveat over and over because it's not true that you should quit compromise altogether <laughs> in anything. I mean, that that's a really bad piece of advice. Um, however, Stop. what I'm talking about is the in principle, the compromises that we make. And it kind of goes back to the same principle as the shortcuts, the compromises that we make in terms of like, I really want to accomplish this dream and this goal, and I know I need to do these things to do it, but I also really want to watch that show tonight. Or I, but I also really want to just sit on the beach right now. And I really want to, and so like, we compromise in our training for other life conveniences or unnecessities, if that's a word, which it isn't. And so those are the compromises I'm talking about. We need to quit the compromises that are trading our training goals, our dreams and our goals we're trading for a momentary convenience or a momentary pleasure or just an unnecessary thing that is in fact nice and it's fine. I'm not condemning those unnecessary things, but they aren't the thing that I'm trying to aspire toward. That's the compromise that we need to quit. And I know that many of you listening this the realizing your dreams you don't have some big running dream and so choosing the beach would be a good thing like that would be what you would bring you most joy but if you do have big goals if you've put it on paper like you want to do this big thing we're probably going to have to make some sacrifices like not watching the show <laughs> we went we went like six months without watching shows but, but keep in mind the point we're making is not that you cut out sitting by the beach the point we're making is that if the thing I want to do too much of makes it not possible to do the training thing I need to do. That's where the, the problem is. So we find the balance where we can have the good things we want to have in other aspects of life while maintaining the consistency in training. Figure out what that balance takes. And it may not always be possible. We know that. That's where the compromise is necessary. But when it's possible, don't throw off the balance in favor of those other unnecessary things for a momentary convenience. You've heard me talk about this a lot, but I'm going to change yours. You're going to change me? I'm going to change, change it. Me. Quit, compromise, be clever. No, no, no. It doesn't actually say a B there. It just says a quit. Quit, compromise, <laughs> be clever. So you're saying quit stupid compromise? Is I'm that a better? saying be clever. So we talked about the show. I should if say you, If there's quit a show you want to watch, there. <laughs> Colleen Quigley she told us that she watches shows while she is cross training. So mm. she's kind of double dipping there. 
And I've mentioned quite often that what brings me joy in running is relationships and running with other people. So that's a way to be clever. Like, I'm not saying no to my friend that we can't do this one thing. <laughs> Instead, what Andy says is, well, I have to run me. for two hours. You want to come with? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, do, I have friends that aren't runners, too, but it's pretty yeah. nice to be able to say to a friend that I want to get together with or I want to catch up with that, that is a runner. Hey, you want to run together uh, with my family, with my with my mom and my sisters on Sundays. Sometimes I will do an extra run with them to be able to spend time with them. And that's also feeding into my goals as a runner. So there's ways that you can be clever and not just compromise and say no to all the things you want to do. You know, there's also a really <laughs> interesting connection to the get help part um, where you hear this a lot uh, in sports psychology stuff um, too, where you know, just trying to surround yourself with people who are pursuing things in a similar way. Not that that's the only people you have to be around, but it's like, you know, find a group that you can kind of relate with who are also pursuing things. Uh, because then what tends to happen is you also develop like the positive peer pressure thing. So the fear of missing out that Andy's describing, if her family's going for a run, she's like, oh, I need to go with them. Like it's, it's, it's kind of sad if I can't. Mm -hmm. And so it, it creates a, a positive, well, it's not always positive all the time but in, in this instance what we're this describing. instance it's positive yes. every time well that brings us to our final rule which is to quit doubt quit it knock it off stop doubting yourself unless you don't doubt anything at all ever in which case maybe you shouldn't listen to us here at this moment um, because once again we're actually really describing something that has to have a kind of balance but when we're talking about the quit doubt that we're really feeding into the principle of um i I have the dream in my head, but I constantly am doubting whether I can do the thing, that next step thing. So like, can I train like that? Can I run this time in two months, which isn't the big dreams and goals, but it's still on the way, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but also what I think it really comes back to is we doubt the potential progress that can be made. And that's the piece that concerns me is we think because these things take time and because we're often impatient people, we don't see the progress immediately or soon enough. And we begin to doubt that it's possible at all. And that's the part where we need to, we need to get rid of that completely because at no moment in time in running, can you know right now what's possible four weeks from right now, based off on how you're feeling right now. And your pace Does that make any can't sense? tell you. And pace, what is that? We don't talk about that around here. But if you've so, listened to our previous episodes, you'll get why he said that. But essentially, if you're looking, if you're trying to see a time on your watch that you're hoping to do in two months, it's not that's not going to show it to you. And so then you start doubting, like, am I going to be able to do a marathon this fast? Well, what you're seeing two months prior to that on your steady state run isn't going to tell you that. So you need to trust the process and you you don't want to doubt that process because you are going to get fitter and things are going to come together at the right time with good training. It is true. Mm -hmm. I do want to mention because this topic is very near and dear to my heart that the goals that we have, we should have a goal that transcends the performance goal because we really don't have control over what how we're going to be at that stage like so let's say in that, that I, on the race yeah like yeah. if i say i like my goal is to pr and run the olympic trials qualification which is dropped you know eight a minutes. lot faster than it used to be if that's my goal then i might doubt that because i don't i i don't really know if that is possible but what i do know is that i can have goals like consistency and feeling strong getting back 
to my fitness and feeling like I can do things functionally on my run that brings me joy. So focusing on things that I can control to some extent you know, barring sickness and injury and unexpected things, if I can put my my goals into that basket, I'm going to likely be more fulfilled and feel more confident and not doubt that I can do those things. That's good and true. So in summary, as a runner, when we are trying to realize our hopes and dreams and all our goals, the first thing we need to do is just listen to Andy and Zach. <laughs> oh my because word! We Who's have gagging all the now. Answers. I am. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, not nine goals or not. Sorry, nine things here uh, in these rules that can be helpful guidelines simply based off of the way the training side of life tends to work. Um, it's not exhaustive, even though I promised that it was. It is not, and there are plenty of other things that you could consider in this process. But if we go back to the very beginning and we say it, none of it works as runners, none of it works if we can't have balance in life and we can't find the routine and consistency mm -hmm. in our work. And I know we do this podcast to help you thrive. That's our whole goal here at A to Z Running is to help runners thrive. So as we discuss dreams, realizing goals, we know that there are lots of factors in having a thriving life. And so we want to bring them to light like we did today. With that, let's get on to the world of running. As we love to do before we get into the world of running, let's talk a little bit about some A to Z runners. And there's just so much to say. It's a fun time when people are running races all over. It's great. Bill, congrats on winning another 5K. And I think this is actually his second one in, in, uh, in like five days. Yeah. So... Bill won a 5K just recently and won another one on Independence Day. So he's he's just kind of racking up the victories. It's a great job. Christy in a half marathon. Great work. Chad ran a six-hour race. It's one of those crazy ones where it's like it's a one-mile loop. This is a trail ultra. It's a one-mile loop, and you do as many loops as you can until the time runs out. And then that's like how you decide who won what. So they don't so time it. I mean, they kind of time it, but they just count the loops. And so like the record board is 30 loops or something. It's We're very cool. eager to actually see the official results. Yes. They haven't come up on the website yet. We know he has completed it and he did really well. So depending on, yeah, yeah we got to find out because he looks like he might have like cracked into the top 10 all time on this course. Whoa. Yeah. Congrats, Chad. Cool stuff. Nice work, Chad. Even if you didn't crack into the top 10, still nice work. Yes. Martha ran a 5k as well. And then I, we just wanted to give a quick list here because uh, we had already recorded our conversation prior to the Independence Day 5Ks when a bunch of people were racing. So let's just give some shout outs to Andrea, Christy, Madeline, third in her age group, Mike, Pete, Laura, Bill, we mentioned this other victory, Kelly, second in her age group, a lot of good performances mm -hmm. in the last week. Very awesome. cool. Now on to the Sunset Tour. Not a lot is going on in the world of running because the World Championships begin next week, Friday, or this week, Friday, I should say. that. So that will be very exciting. But some that did not make a world team will still be competing because they have really high levels of fitness. They all are in hopes of running something like the World Championships, so they have continued their seasons in some of these races. So the Sunset Tour, the women's full mile is one I want to highlight today. So Tyron, is that how Taren. you say it? Taryn. So I said it wrong earlier, and he corrected me. Rawlings, she achieved the fastest women's outdoor mile this year, which is- In the world. In the world. Very nice. And she clocked a personal best time of 424.95, and she improved 
on our time from last year, which was her previous PR at the same meet, 428. Nice. Yeah. Four second PRs. Yeah, yeah. It is hard because we have such a stacked field in the U.S. for these middle distance events. She was 12th in the women's 1500 meter at the U.S. championships, which Mm. then were the selections for the world championships. So you can see how hot our field is that the fastest time in the mile for the year didn't make our team, but it just shows you the depth, which is really exciting. We we do have to slightly caveat that, though, and simply that. There are very few outdoor miles. However, in she the world. is in the top 20 all uh, for the American all time. Yes. So and that is great. I'm not belittling fantastic. the accomplishment. Yeah. I'm just saying it's just yeah. one of those that's not quite very contested very often. It's always fun to hear the last lap split. She ran 62 for her last lap. That's fast. Smoking. Yeah. And Allie Wilson, who ran a second uh, lifetime, or she was second place, sorry. She ran a lifetime best in 426, and that's number two global outdoor this year. Yeah. Very nice. And she was fourth just out of the spots for the 800 at the U.S. Championships. And we'll talk about how strong our 800-meter women are and it's impressive. So yeah. the fact that Allie was fourth, it just show, shows you uh, what an amazing athlete that she is. Speaking of amazing athletes, what we want to do next is give you kind of like a, a kind of preview of the world championships. We don't want to exhaust you by just listing everyone who's competing in everything. So Andy's going to share her couple favorites. And I also wanted to give you our U.S. athlete medal predictions. Which this is always scary to me because are highly insubstantial. I know that I know that anything can really happen. And we're probably going to be wrong level, on all of them. The but. level of competition is so high yeah. and we have so many fantastic runners and different is interesting because we've found with someone like Paul Chalimo, for instance, like he was someone that people would under predict because his early season did not show that what he was going to do when he peaked. So he was really, really good at peaking. Clayton Murphy is one that sometimes will do that as well. Uh, some of these runners that are just really good at peak performance. So you never know. Anyway, that's my caveat. You, indeed, you never know. As it were, we're still going to make an attempt because he it's is. a little bit fun. I don't know if I can stand behind No, it. you definitely are going to be standing behind some of these. <laughs> oh, um, so let's start with the marathon. In the women's marathon, I am calling it right now, right now Kira D'Amato is definitely meddling. I'm saying it. He's as big a fan as I am of Kira D'Amato, which I'm loving to see. So Kira D'Amato, remember, she's an alternate. She was not she originally on the team. She wasn't even on, on the team. The team. Yeah. But she is our U.S. marathon record holder in 219. So she she's is, a com- and like she's I've a been saying, the best alternate ever. <laughs> she's fierce. She's strong. She's been racing really well across yeah. many distances. These are all signs of metal potential. And especially because, you know, these marathons and the world championships are not super fast marathons. They're much more tactical. And that will also favor her because she's very fast in shorter distances, too. Yeah. Yep. So you heard me. Mm -hmm. You heard me. All right. And the men's 10,000, I really don't know. I, I don't have like a reason why I'm saying this, except that I just like Grant Fisher. So I think he. Could How metal. Joe Clucker? I mean, okay. So club. yes, there are multiple Americans who have the, the capacity to race the front of the race in the world championships. But Grant Fisher's kick is just so crazy. So is Woody Kincaid's. Yeah, but he's not in the 10,000. Oh, you're right. So I think Grant Fisher does have metal potential in the men's 10,000. He's, he's also one of the fastest all time. That time he you remember that yeah. race. So yeah. he's got it. We'll see. 
In the women's 10,000, I couldn't quite decide, so I actually lumped the 5,000 and 10,000 together because between the two of them, I do think that either Elise Cranny or Carisha Schweitzer will medal in something. That, that's that's the way I'm saying it. So that's that's less a prediction and more just like a flip always, a coin. They always are so close. They're finishing yeah. always so close. And at least Cranny seems to always beat Schweitzer at the U.S. level stuff. And then Schweitzer seems to always beat Cranny at the international level stuff. But that's not always true. It's just like that's the he trend. He just like to use the word always before I he I said it a few it. too many times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Women's steeple, of course. Yeah. We have such strong women American women in the steeple, Frericks and Coburn. And yeah. Waymint, too, though. She's coming on strong. Yeah, but she's not going to medal. You don't think so? No. but So, Frericks and Coburn have both medaled in multiple different world championship level stuff. Well, they were stuff. second and third at the world championships in Doha. And Frericks has a silver medal from Tokyo, and Coburn has a gold world championship. Like, both of them have done this many times. So, it's not we're, we're not making a prediction by saying one of them is going to medal. We're just simply saying they've done it. One of them is likely to medal. Mm -hmm. However, the prediction is which one beats the other. Yeah. And well, Ferrix does have the faster time. She's the American record. Yeah, but Coburn looked way and, better in the U.S. championships. Yeah. But I do, do want to remind everyone that she she ran under nine minutes. She's the first female to ever run under nine minutes in the U.S. Fourth all time. Fourth all time in the world. Yeah. yeah. So I my my money is on Ferrix for this one, but uh, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. And not literally. I have no money on this race. In the women's 800, I'm calling a U.S. medal sweep. However, if they don't, it's Keely Hodgkinson who breaks them up. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that prediction sounds pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that's uh, a thing, Mo, Ajay Wilson, and Raven Rogers. And I'm going to talk about that later. That's ah. why I'm kind of just nodding <laughs> right. and being a little okay. quiet about it. So the other thing that I want to mention in terms of just thinking ahead now for the championships is just the interesting international strategies that mm -hmm. you tend to see. Um, and so we've talked about this before, like the different countries have qualification processes that are very different. And so it's always kind of fascinating to see how the selection process works in the U.S. It's not very interesting. It's just the championship. And then Which as long as they've got the time. And the reason that they say that they do that is because they want to open up the Olympic dream to yeah. anybody which I, I actually like that because if you aren't able, if you don't have the opportunity to fly to all these diamond leagues and you're, aren't, you're not ranked, then you still have the opportunity at the U.S. championships to beat people who have traveled all over the world racing. You know, yeah. if you don't have that kind of ability to do that. You're also kind of conflating the world ranking standard qualification process too. But um, the examples are most countries – most, if not nearly every country outside of just a couple, um, have some amount of discretionary seats for the team. And so what they'll do is it's like one person gets an automatic qualification by doing a certain accomplishment. And then the other two spots or three sometimes, if they have a medalist from which they tend to do in uh, the example I'm about to give, um, they just choose it largely at random i mean obviously there's reason for it but they don't necessarily have to give any rationale as a matter of mm -hmm. fact most countries don't give any rationale period um, so get to this so <laughs> ethiopia did the most fascinating thing this year they changed their team selection three times in the last two weeks so they announced a team on was well, not just two weeks it's like the last month now and the, and they announced a team in the middle of june and that was, that's par for the course. It's about a month before the championships. That's normal. Um, and then 
not long after, they announced a team again, but it was different. So they changed it, which is strange. Why would they change it? But also, why would they change it so soon after they made the first announcement? And then on the last possible day, so entries were due on July 5th. Entries are due to the World Athletics Committee. And so you have to have your team finalized at that point. The day after entries were submitted, Ethiopia announced, oh, by the way, we had made a few changes yesterday as well to the team. <laughs> and by a few, they changed a bunch of people. So I'm sitting here looking at this and I'm just thinking, what in the world is the strategy here? And I know part of it is there were a couple instances where like someone got hurt suddenly, unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And because, so this is one of the pros for doing this in this way, um, because someone got hurt, Ethiopia immediately just says, okay, you're not on the team anymore. They don't have to go through any kind of protocol for that. They just, they can decide because it's a discretionary seat. Yeah. Uh, for instance, in the United States, if someone gets hurt, who has already qualified, they can themselves still hold their own seat, even if they're running on a broken foot mm. in the championships. And a lot of people have been frustrated about that because mm. it's like, you've got people who are clearly not going to represent your country well, because they're literally injured at the time of the race and know it. And yet the committee can't do anything about it unless the person Sure. Bows out. So anyway, that's part of the rationale for some I of these discretionary things. I think the other part is that they changed it is because it was advantageous with the competition. Yes. Because I'm going to get to that in just a minute. So there is, yes. Well, and that's the interesting thing with, uh, with Ethiopia's adjustment. Their final adjustment to their team was they have said for the last couple of years, their uh, selection committee has said they're not going to allow athletes to double in events. And they stuck to it in the Olympic Games. And it didn't go super well for them, meaning they had some people who were just killing it, but it only away. ran one event and they could have meddled in multiple events mm. like, you know, two time world record holder, let's have bet Gide, who only ran one event in the Olympics, even though she holds a world record in two of them. So that's a good example. Um, now, in this instance, that was what the change was, is a whole bunch of people who were only entered in one event. Suddenly now they're entered in two. Mm. And you know why? Because. They're the champions who have been winning events and they've got a good chance at winning multiple events. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Stuff. Very interesting. And now we're really excited to see how it goes. How it unfolds. Well, a couple that I'm really interested in, I'm interested in all of it. I love all of track and field, but there's a couple in particular that I've got my eyes on. The women's 1500 meter run, a couple of things that I wanted to mention, you know, Zach often talks about Jacob Inkebritz and I was surprised he didn't just now. Who's that? <laughs> Who's that? Is he, uh, is he a runner? Does oh he run? Word. Yeah. So that's hilarious that he did that with all of us knowing how so much he funny. likes. That was, if you're not laughing out loud right now, you're cruel. <laughs> okay. I like Faith Kipiagon as much as he likes Jacob Ingebrigtsen. So Faith Kipiagon is in a league of her own. She'll be running the 1500 meter run. And a couple interesting things about this event. We talked about some changes that were made. Gudaf Segei is now ah, of Ethiopia of Ethiopia is now in the 1500 meter run. She won the world indoor title by f over five seconds back in March. And then behind her is 21 year old Hirut Mesh uh, Meshesha. <laughs> sorry. I'm Meshesha. sorry guys. I, and then, um, so th those are in mix for a medal perhaps as well, along with Sinclair Johnson, who mm. ran really, really well at the U S championship. We had mentioned that she switched training groups, which ended up being a really good decision for her. And she's been just rising to the top. Literally she won the U S championships. So very exciting to see. So you think she's got a medal potential? I think that she could sneak the third one. I don't. Uh, I think the first two are not. 
um, not super possible. I think that Faith Kipiegan and Gudaf Segei okay. are kind of just going to – I think Faith Kipiegan's going to win and Segei is going to chase after. That's my guess. All right. And then the third we'll one see. is kind of kind of open. I'm going to guess that. So, yeah, the, she's – I think Sinclair Johnson's fifth on the list. Fifth fastest time this year. Yeah. Fifth fastest time on In the, the field. entry list. In the field. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I put more information on a to z running.com so you'll be able to see more of like who's in the mix for that race okay. and I didn't put her name on here cuz she wasn't in the top 5 but Ellie Pereira St. Pierre is also in that race and she's never one to count out. Uh, she didn't have a great US championship but it wasn't ideal conditions for her. She had to lead the race. It was she's frustrated. <laughs> she's had to do that every time she runs a championship. She, she tends to have to do that. But in this instance she she won't have to lead it. You don't know that. I don't think Faith Kipiegan and Gudaf Segei are going to make her lead we'll it. See. We'll, we'll see. We'll Faith see. Faith Kipiegan can win any race. She can win any type of race. So it can be slow. It can be fast. I don't think she'll. I don't think she'll bother with trying to control it. Yeah, she's of Kenya, by the way. Women's 800 meter run. I've been relentless in talking about this event because we have some of the best in history that are representing Team USA. Not just in the USA, but in the world. Some of the best in the world. So we have never seen a world champion from the U.S. though, which is I, and the women's eight hundred. Isn't that interesting? I did not know that. No, I know. I thought it was interesting, it's, so I thought I'd include it. I we think have Mo had, kind of overshadowed that by winning an Olympic title, but Olympic never title. a world yep. championship title. We've won two yeah. Olympic golds in the women's eight hundred meter, but never a world champion has come from the U.S. Interesting. Yeah. So will it be but a story of one will this year? Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> going to predict that as well. we'll see. Will it be a story of like the youngsters? Will it be a thing Mo or Keely Hodgkinson? Or will it be Ajay Wilson who has been running better than she has in in years? We have to keep an eye on her. I'm gonna link to her podcast episode. It's one of my favorites. You missed one of the other youngsters though, Kenya's Oh yeah. Mora. Yes, I did miss that. That's a kind of a new-ish yeah, new on addition the scene. to the yep. top runners. She ran recently a race that was faster than Keely Hodgkinson. Oh, here it's 157.68. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she beat Keely Hodgkinson, which is saying something. Keely Hodgkinson, you'll remember, was on a thing Mo's tail at the Olympic Games, running 155, getting a new British record. Well, a thing Mo was getting the American record of 155 low. So... It will be interesting to see what happens here. Very Very. interesting. And again, with Ajay Wilson, I want to come back to her. She won her first senior gold in Belgrade recently, and she has three world indoor medals, an outdoor bronze, and then, like I mentioned, she just got that, that first world championship for the indoor, that title. In 157.23, we can't count her out. She's the no second. No one's counting her out. Exactly. Uh, this, so she's second now on the list for this year for this race. She's ranked second. So mm-hmm. exciting to see. And when it comes down to it, in the women's 800 meters, there are certain people who are just always there in the championship races. And so it's just always fascinating. We've got we've got one of the most stacked possible fields this year. And uh, at the same time, thoroughly confident that there's some some oh, and then Raven potential. Rogers, who was bronze at the Olympic Games, she's one who knows how to run a championship race. She one knows of those I'm how mentioning. to storm down the home stretch. Okay, that is indeed it's true. true. I mean, she's always passing numerous people in the home stretch. So here's what we're gonna do: next time you hear our voices, we'll be talking about the World Championships. 
beginning because it's it's a multi-day event and uh, yeah span, spans a week and change um yeah. and so what we're going to do is we're going to give you the the results and updates and interesting stories in two parts so next week you'll hear about the beginnings of the world championships and then uh we'll fill you in on the rest i'd love to hear later. your predictions and what you're excited about too so if you want to shoot me a message on instagram or something i am such a track nerd so if there's any other track nerds out there let me know what you think, what you think is going to go down at the World Championships. And speaking of letting us know what you think. If you have questions about your training or other things related to the running stuff, remember that we want to feature them at the end of month episodes when we do those things. Because in fact, while we do like hearing ourselves talk about our own ideas, or at least I do, kidding. But in fact, the thing we like the most is your thoughts and getting to interact with you, your questions, but also, you know, sh share the comments and the stuff. And Andy likes to post her silly questions on social medias and you give her silly answers and they make for lots of laughs. So do those things and go to adzrunning.com slash question to share a question with us. So we will indeed provide our thoughts there. And then when you get stuck and you're thinking to yourself, I want to realize my dreams. And I'm trying to follow those nine rules as best I can. And that get help one has got me stumbling. Well, stumble no more. Go to adzrunning.com. Look for the word coaching and see if there is a service there that might be what you need. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next week.